Welcome to episode 16 of Fergo and the Freak. I'm that bloke from Rugby League Project, Andrew Ferguson. You can find me on Twitter at AndrewRP. And joining me once again is League Freak, who you can find on Twitter at League Freak. How you going, mate? Pretty good. I'm looking forward to this episode, which I think I say every episode, but uh, it's because I'm excited about the podcast. That's what it is. Excitable young fella. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, today we're going to rip in and have a look at Stephen Kearney. Is he, uh, is he a myth or is he something le- less mythy? <laughs> so yes. um, he's obviously coach at the Warriors. Mm-hmm. He's... Um, He's been coaching since 2011 when he took up the reins over at Parramatta. Mm-hmm. Um, had a pretty poor run over there. Won only 23% of his games there. Been at the Warriors since 2017. Um, he's won 42% games there. And this weekend, he will coach his 100th NRL game. Yeah, and it's not a real good record at all. I mean, when he took over the Parramatta Eels, it was a little bit of a, a mess that he took over. And but I mean twenty three percent in the NRL is not good enough. Um, moving to the Warriors, and he had he had a bit of a break there. But moving to the Warriors, um, it just hasn't worked out. I mean his coaching record and his win percentage is terrible. He's had to do a little bit of work to get the Warriors back on track. But you look at them this year, and they're underperforming for the talent that they've got on the field. And at some point. And I've said this before, you are who you are in the NRL. And when you look at his record, it's really unimpressive. And the New Zealand Warriors, I think, would be expecting a lot more out of their side this year, considering the incredible amount of talent that they've got in the team. They maybe have the best player in the world playing at fullback. And it's, you know, when you get to 100 games and your record is this poor, like it's it's 34% that his, his win percentage is over his entire coaching career in the NRL, you've got to start looking at the alternatives at some point. Uh, and I think maybe it's time for the Warriors to start looking at those alternatives because it's just not good enough. Yeah. Look, I think the question always needs to be asked when a coach is in his third year because he's had the first year where he's pretty much inherited some other team. Mm-hmm. Second year, he's doing his clean out to create his own squad. Third year is when you start to see the the fruit of your work starting to come to fruition. And um, he looked to be on a good track given that he made the finals last year. But this year, is, it's just turned out an absolute disaster. Um, my, my concern about him is I question his ability to make players better. And I think mm-hmm. that's got to be the main thing you look at a coach for. As, you know, the win percentage thing is obviously... Um, an indicator that needs to be considered. But I think if the players are getting better, then it could just be a roster thing or a balancing in the side. But I don't find that he's he's got a habit of making players generally turning them, turning good players into superstars and the like. I think they just sort of plateau mm-hmm. a bit with him as coach. Mm-hmm. And look, at they've had Blake Green, who is a very important part of their side, has been, been out. Um, but they've had, they've got so much talent in that team and you look at the I mean they're a top six team at least just on talent alone um, if they hook things up you could say that you could see them as a top four side uh, two of us Shek is playing on a completely different level I think compared to anyone else near NRL this season um, 
Harris has been incredible this year. I can't believe that not more, more people aren't talking about him because he's been just amazing all season. And at some point, you've got to look, and we've said this about a number of teams this year, when the talent isn't an issue, you've got to start looking at the coach. And Kearney's one of the few coaches in that position in the NRL who actually has had plenty of time with his club and who you've got to start questioning, like, going forward, is is he the right man for the, for the job? Now, they've got Brian Smith, as the football manager, I believe that's his role, uh, football manager at the New Zealand Warriors. And Smith is really good at setting up your whole club from like juniors and, and making sure the pathways are all working. And I think you see a lot of that at the Warriors. They've, they've started producing a lot of good young junior players again, which they, it tends to go on and off a little bit with the Warriors. Um, but that pathway is like wide open and they've got some really good young players there. And so the excuses become less and less for a coach when you're not winning games. And you've got to... I, I just think that it's time for the Warriors. I look at what they're doing on the field. I look at Kearney's coaching record there. We've got a good sample size now, and I don't think he is the person going forward for the New Zealand Warriors, and I think they've got to start looking elsewhere now. Yeah, I think... Um, especially when you look at that roster, I mean, there's what... Uh, um, yeah. Beal, Blair, Fusatua, Harris, Hiku, Kata, Luke, Marmolo, Papali, and two of us, Ashek, have all played Test footy for the Kiwis. Yeah. There's talent. And they've just added Nikorima, too, who hasn't played yeah. for them yet. But, like, he, it's an embarrassment of riches for talent. I mean, you think of how many clubs would love to have that much talent available to them, how many coaches would kill to be able to, like, just add someone like Nikarima to their squad. Yeah. Um, it, you've got to start looking at the coach. That's right. And they've got – this is the thing, too, that a lot of the times the teams that win premierships are the teams who have that really unique balance between, uh, you know, good juniors coming through, a bunch of players in their prime in their mid to late 20s, mm-hmm. and a bunch of old heads as well in the squad as well. And he's got he's got a fairly decent mix of all of that there. Yeah, um, as well like, as a superstar, like an out-and-out yeah. superstar. Yeah, and it's like everything is pretty much in his lap. Mm. Um, everything looks like it's right for a, a genuine tilt at a title, and yet they're languishing with two wins and they've lost their last four games. Um, and it's the a di- there's a just... difference between when the team is it has maybe a bad run because the opposition has stepped up or, or something like that. We're still seeing the Warriors being disappointing. We're still seeing them turn up and just, just. I mean, they were outplayed by the the Cowboys. You know, they're outplayed by the Knights, and that's just not good enough. Yeah. And Manly, and Manly's got their own roster issues as well. You know, they're working yeah. on a small budget. Um, got got hammered by the Tigers the week after the the Warriors had flogged the Bulldogs. Mm-hmm. Um. Not to say the Tigers are a poor side, but you wouldn't regard them as being one of the top top heavyweight sides that would smack around a team that's got 12 test stars in it. Exactly. Uh, it's just... There's something with their application. They, they've got absolutely zero consistency. Mm-hmm. And the game plan looks to be getting more and more away from anything with structure and mm-hmm. leaning more towards just give two of us a check the ball. Yeah, and look, because he's such a good player... He is still carving opposition teams up, and they but they 
you shouldn't be relying on that when you've got this much talent in the side. Yeah. And it's like if it, if they weren't bringing through juniors, you could say, well, that's what it is. They, the last thing is the coach. And when you look at his sample size as a Warriors coach, it's very poor. And I think that they've got to start looking at the alternatives. And so now you've got to start looking at who's out there that you could replace him with who would do a, at least a good job till the end of the year. All right. Well, I've got a few coaches I'll put up there for you. Okay. So we'll yep. start with the, the obvious ones. Um, Trent Barrett? No. Next. <laughs> <laughs> How do you get that out of the way? Um, okay. There's a few I reckon who would be worth a look at. So I'd say um, they need a harder-nosed coach there who's going to whip them into shape, which I don't think Carney, uh, Kearney is the sort of coach to do that. So I'd be looking at someone like um, Anthony Griffin or Jeff Toovey. Yeah, I think either one of those coaches would be fantastic for them. I'd probably go for Griffin just because he has the record. I mean, he, he did a, a decent enough job at the Broncos. At the Panthers, he did a, a, quite a good job, I thought. Um, he, his last coaching role, he took a team to fourth place that the following year isn't gone, completely gone. So... I would probably pick Griffin. I've always felt like Jeff Tuvey was hard done by when he was punted by Manly. I think that he is definitely a first-grade coach. And, yeah, either one of those two, I don't think they could go wrong with. No, I agree. I think um, it's a it's a bit of a travesty that neither of them are doing any coaching at the mall uh, mm-hmm. at the moment, um, in, a, in a head coaching role anyway. Uh, yeah. Is that they're not just like so get your results on the field, but they're also good at building building up um, you know, the the grades below as well and making sure that the club's sort of self sufficient with talent instead of constantly buying it in. Mm. You know. You didn't see uh, Jeff Tuvey, for example, buying superstars into the club. He's always sort of always usually buying in depth players. Yeah, and um, no, I mean he's at a club where the budgets are very small. I mean, the the coach they replaced him with at Manly turns up and, like, all he did was whinge and blame everyone else for poor results when Jeff Toovey had some pretty damn good results with that Manly team, considering what he was working with. Um, and, and so you look at someone like him who there was one point where I wouldn't have been upset if he'd signed for the Penrith Panthers as their head coach. Um, and I think it would be a, a good pathway back into the NRL for Tuvi. I uh, I can't believe he's – like you, I can't believe he's not coaching in the NRL at the moment. Um, yeah, but, yeah, either one of those two would be fantastic. I, I wouldn't be shocked if you saw Brian Smith step up and take over the coaching role if he is interested in doing that at this point in his life, and I'm not really sure that he would be. It also the other thing with that is too, he's he's doing a really good job with getting the Warriors in the right place as a club, with getting their pathways, the development pathways working, and if you take on that that NRL coaching role, um, you take over it. It's very hard to then step back into being yeah. a football manager. And the other thing is too, he would be involved in signing the person that replaced him as the interim coach. And that makes a really difficult uh, situation for whoever steps in. And it just adds a bit of tension that I don't think either he would want at the club or the Warriors would want at the club if they were smart. So I could see 
I, I could easily see him stepping in and doing a really good job for the Warriors, but at the same time, I don't think that's maybe the best thing for the Warriors for the long term. No, I, I fully agree with that, mate. Um, yeah, I suppose another another coach who who could be considered would be uh, Neil Henry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know that I'm convinced that he is anything other than an average coach. Um, you look at his record, it's not it's not impressive. Like, he, he gets your club to a certain point, but I don't think he gets you beyond, like, around... I mean, what's his win percentage? Is it around 50% maybe? So this thing, I'll look it up. I think the problem I've, he's had is he's often tried to take on roles that were beyond him, like taking over a, job, a team where they needed a bit of a clean-out or they needed a complete restructure. And yeah. he sort of needed to be there first and then get used to the place and then go through that process first. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he's won 43.5% of his NRL games. Well, there you go. That's even lower than I expected. Um, I guess that, I guess that towards the end of his first-grade coaching career, he's taken on a fair few more losses. But um, I, don't, well, I don't know yeah, about I mean, him. What about Jason Taylor? I like. I know that you're a big fan of Jason Taylor. Um, he's got a fantastic record in the lower grades, but every time, and he, look, I tell you what, he did all right at Souths before that all turned sour. Um, that's the point, know. though. It turned sour. Yeah, that's the um, thing. He's. I don't know. I I found as a coach. You know, selection decisions aside, most of those were not too bad. But as a coach, I found him to be unimaginative. And um, his main focus when he was at the Tigers was about, you know, the the, the policy was right. You know, we need to work on our defence. The defence is yeah. the most important thing we need to sort out. And mm-hmm. yet he, did, he didn't actually improve their defence one iota over the time he was there. Mm-hmm. So it's one thing to have all of these great ideas, which are absolutely spot on but he lacks the ability to implement them at the top level yeah um and i don't think the warriors are a team who can afford to have someone who can't improve their defense because their defense has been possibly their biggest issue for a long time it's unreliable it's inconsistent Mm -hmm. you'll get one week where they can keep a team you know a top team to you know one or two tries and the next week they'll be playing against the bottom team and let 30 or 40 points in and there's no rhyme or reason for what's going on. So, no, it's they're a nightmare to tip for that reason because yeah. talent-wise, that you should be able to tip them, you know, just about every week. But they're so unreliable that it's hard to tip them at all. Um, and it can be against the. I mean, if they, it can be against any team. Like if they played the Bulldogs, you would think, well, they should win by forty plus points. They should absolutely annihilate them. But you always have to have that thing in the back of your head, but like, but it's the Warriors. Hmm. And that's a real problem for the club that they need to change. And if they just do it defensively, um, that would be fantastic for the club. Uh, there's not too many other coaches I can think of that uh, – I, I hope they don't do this, but um, Wayne, Sean Wayne from the former Warriors coach, uh, uh, Wigan Warriors coach, I would hope yeah. that they don't look at him. Yeah, which I don't. I, I, you know. I don't think their answer is going to come from England. I think they really no. do need to look um, in the NRL. So another, I suppose, one coach who's reportedly 
on the outer with his club is Paul Green. Yeah, see, I don't know how much on the... I feel as though in that situation in North Queensland, I feel like the club will stick with Green over... Because some of their roster is starting to get on a little bit. Yeah. And I feel as though Green has the runs on the board. And I feel as though the club will side with him and would say to him, listen, if you do have a problem with the players, we're willing to stick by you and sort it out. You know, you're the head coach. So that's the way I feel about that. But uh, look, if Green become available, there was talk that he might go down to the Broncos. I think that was maybe a little bit of um, maybe some political movement in terms of the the Broncos needed to push Wayne out and and, uh, Wayne Bennett out and things like that. I don't think he's ever really became become available, but if he become available for any club, I'd say sign him. But just because he's he's done the job. Yeah, um, just looking through some of the other coaches that have been in the NRL in the last say decade who mm-hmm. aren't coaching anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, geez, we've got some gems here. Um, Mick Potter, I think he's currently assistant coach at the Knights. Yeah, um, I I feel I, like he's in the Neil Henry sort of category of like an average coach you know what I mean yeah he's not going to get you he's, he's going to get you he'll do all right in the role but he's not going to push you too far I see him as the coach you get in there when you've had a bit of a clean out because you can sort of steady a club pretty well and get mm. them pointed in the right direction exactly but yeah. I haven't seen enough of him as a coach to know whether he's got the ability to take them to that next step above that mm-hmm. um, because the West Tigers were utter morons when they decided to to give him the boot when they did. Um, mm. He was doing great work there. And there's all sorts of reasons to fly around with that, and most of them yeah. aren't exactly correct. But anyway, um, John Cartwright, I think he's assistant coaching at the Roosters. Yeah, I feel as though he's one of those coaches. Cause he had a, a decent stint at the Titans as their expansion coach, their first coach when they come into the comp. Uh, I feel as though he's one of those coaches that he he had a long time as a head coach and it, it just turns out that he's an outstanding assistant coach. I feel like Jason Taylor's a little bit like that as well. Yeah, outstanding assistant coach, but in that head coaching role, it's maybe just not for him. No, I fully agree with that, mate. Um, one coach who's recently become available, David Ferner. I tell you what, that would, that'd be such, it'd just be such a bad move to sign him just because I feel as though, say what you want about David Ferner as a coach, I feel as though he'd be in a really bad headspace after what happened. And we're going to do a yeah. podcast about that pretty soon. Um, it's just not the right situation. No, no. Um, and uh, oh, here's, uh, here's one, mate, uh, Matthew Elliott. Well, that's the end of the podcast. I'm quitting. <laughs> You're on your own now. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I think he he did his time. They they've probably just recovered from the Matt Elliott era at the Warriors. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, um, yes. I suppose other than that, I mean, I'm going back to like 2012 coaches now. Thinking yeah. um, Brian Smith. You mentioned Brian McLennan. Yeah, another one. Um, There's another shocker. Tim Sheens. It, now, I'll say this, okay. Mm-hmm. Well, I wasn't a huge fan of the end of Tim Sheens' reign at the at the Tigers because I just believed he'd been there too long. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's currently coaching over at Hull KR. Um, 
I think he wouldn't be a bad coach at the Warriors. He's got enough of that hard-nosed attitude mm-hmm. to get them to get them focused on a certain goal. Yeah. Um, and he does need to have a good squad to make things work. Mm-hmm. He is also good at bringing through local juniors. I'll give him credit for that. I don't think there's too many coaches who have that ability to bring through um, junior talent and get them up to NRL standard um, as much as Tim Sheens does. Uh, So the problem I found with him is once he got there a bit too long, he does start to play favourites and it does start to hamper the team when he does that. Yeah, and look, at some point, most coaches, their their voice becomes old at a club and you just have to move on. And, And it's not really anybody's fault it's just you know sometimes a club needs a change sometimes a coach needs a change um and yeah i I think he wouldn't be the worst choice Uh, i think they'd be able to get him i think they could get him on the weekend if they wanted to you know um it's if it's choice between living in new zealand and living in east hull i know where he'd want to live um the best part of east hull is you can tell when you're there because you can smell it but anyway um yeah, I don't think he'd be the worst one, but as you say, he would start playing favourites eventually, and I think he's a, he's one of those sorts of coaches that if something starts working, he gets set on it, and then if it stops working, he's too set on trying to keep it working, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, yeah. He, he's definitely one of those guys like that. Once, once his square peg fits into that square hole, doesn't matter mm-hmm. how many times they change the shape of the hole, he'll still, mm. still be pushing that square peg into it, having it'll fit. Exactly. Um, Chris Anderson's another guy like that. Yeah. I think Sheens would be good for like a three-year stint there. Yeah. So long as the first year he got there was the same time that a lot of the Warriors players' contracts were up for, you know, renewal or whatever else. Because that way he could do his clean-out in his very first off-season and that yeah. would fast-track his time. So he'd only have one year where he had to get them all settled and then the second year he could have that genuine tilt with his squad he, he wanted. That would be the best way to get the maximum out of him. And then you could have, I reckon, three generally decent years with him there. And but the thing would... is with that, though, like if I'm looking for a coach for the Warriors, I want somebody that I can look to have for longer than that. You know what I mean? Well, that's the thing. That's sort of what I was getting to is that if you get him there and in three years he manages to get that side successful, like mm-hmm. he did with the West Tigers, then you've got that option to look beyond that and say, you know what, You've set things up. You've got the genius coming through. If it looks like that there's plenty more potential on this side to go better, then you can give him another three years from then on in. Mm. Um, the Tigers were a bit hit and miss because a lot of rule changes and stuff that had gone on in the game um, just automatically overnight sort of suited their team. Then they had this amazing bunch of juniors that just sort of came through all at the same time. Yeah. And it's kind of like, you know, the, the stars aligning. In, in a very uh, magical way there because everything sort of changed here after that and they struggled mm-hmm. to get back into the final since. Mm-hmm. But he still kept trying to persevere with that same style that worked once. Um, I don't see the rules having much um, much change going on like they did in, a, in that era. So mm-hmm. I think that would work in his favour there. I think if he was able to get the team at least back into the finals within within one or two seasons... I think he'd be worthwhile to hang on to there for quite a few years. Yeah. So I wouldn't see him as being too bad an option at all. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, if they signed him, I, I think it wouldn't be the worst thing. I think that they I would probably go Griffin, Tuvi, and then Sheens. And then after that, I think the drop-off is pretty dramatic 
in terms of uh you know best options I, I i just think after that there's not much there no that is pretty much um the best is available the only other coach i can think of that hasn't been mentioned would be well two guys one's currently employed at the titans and that's mal meninga and the other mm. one is former origin coach um laurie daly you probably could also chuck in a brad fitler and uh kevin walters who's looking for a coaching gig that's true uh, but I would want somebody that has proven runs on the board. I think that they've rolled the dice a few times at the Warriors and it hasn't worked. And I would want someone with a proven track record at the moment and somebody that can just, you know, that's proven that they can make a team a finals team. Yeah, because that's the thing. This this Warriors team should have played in a lot more final series and grand finals and probably should have won a title by now because you've got that, You've practically been able to get the the New Zealand test side at your disposal. Not a, mm-hmm. not all of it, but a large chunk of it. Much like mm-hmm. the Brisbane were able to get most of the Queensland Origin side through the nineties that they're you know there, and they turned that into premierships through good coaching and you know obviously having a good roster. And mm-hmm. I don't see how New Zealand shouldn't be compared. The Warriors shouldn't be compared to that, given that the talent they've got. Yeah, given and the that, juniors look, and the success of it had in the juniors as well over the years. The juniors haven't exactly. been. Poor. I mean, they've been winning the NYC for a few years when it was around, and you know, the they're talent, one of those clubs yeah. that it's like it's basically like Brisbane, Penrith, and the Warriors. Who, when it comes to junior rugby league and their whole their the entire setup, they should be the same. They should be in their finals every single year, every single year. Like, there's no excuses, and that we've got at least two of those clubs that aren't doing that in the Warriors and Penrith. And, the, I mean, the Broncos are struggling this year a bit, but I think there's a lot of other dynamics that are involved there. Um, the Warriors should just be one of those teams that you've always got to beat to get to the grand final. Yeah. Yeah, no, I fully agree. They're just – you look at the names on paper and you just go, that looks like a tough team to beat. And it's not just occasional players here and there. I mean, you look at that. Just big, powerful men in the back line. You've got two of us to check. You can just rip a team to shreds from a – from standing still. Yeah. Um, even though they lost Sean Johnson, which I immediately thought was a big loss for them, and I think it's sort of showing that a bit. Um, Harris DeVita's showing that he looks like he's a, he's a quality player for the future. Yeah. yeah. Um, you've also got Hayes Perham coming through, and that kid's going to be an absolute gun. Um, you know, Isaac Luke is still a bloody good hooker. And that yeah, forward pack is just full of big men. Uh, they've dropped him this week, I think. I read yeah, that somewhere. They have. Um, Something but, to do and, with his defence. Yeah, and look, <laughs> when you could drop a player like... And Isaac Luke's a, a funny player because when he is on, he is just unbelievable. He's but then he, he he kind of floats in and out a little bit. It, it's kind of weird. But that should he, come down to the coach. Yeah, I think he was, he's quite reliant form-wise on the performance of his forwards. And they're, mm-hmm. they're, they're reliant on the performance of him. And mm. it's a sort of an it's an ugly cycle. If one's yeah. not working, then both, then all of them fail. Yeah. And they they really need um, a coach who's really good at fixing forwards. Shane Flanagan would work well there, but um, for some reason he's not allowed to coach in the NRL anymore. I can't remember what it was. Yeah, it's, it's one or two or fifteen different reasons. I can't yeah. remember. Yeah, I can't <laughs> nail it down on one. Um, <laughs> I just like to mock the fact he sent emails to his personal hotmail account, whatever it was. Yeah, that's fantastic. Geez. 
I was hoping he might have put in a spreadsheet and just shifted across via MSN Messenger. <laughs> <laughs> or, uh, what was what was that other one that was around? I can't remember now. <laughs> oh, ICQ. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's going old school. That's going old school. But yeah, it's uh, they they need something there, and they need a more hard nosed coach. I don't think. I don't think Kearney's the man to, to deliver that. I'd probably have him as a, as an assistant coach. He'd probably be all right. I think he's sort of in that John Cartwright, Jason Taylor sort of um, area as far as coaching goes. Yeah, I, I agree. And I wouldn't be shocked if after Magic Weekend or Magic Round or whatever they're calling this garbage, um, if that's when the hammer come down and they went in a different direction and, yeah, I, I think that it, it's just time. It just seems like it's time now for the Warriors to expect something more out of this team because this is a bloody good team they've put together and they should be way higher on the ladder. Yeah, and I think they've also got to make a proper investment in the coach. I think too often in the past they've made cheap options for coaches and mm-hmm. I think this time they've got to go, you know what, let's go all in and get a genuine, proper, hard-nosed coach who's going to fix this side up discipline-wise and get them focused on, you know, being better. Mm-hmm. And isn't it weird that the one coach in the Warriors' history that really got them going and kept them going was Ivan Cleary, and he took them over at a funny time, and he, I mean, he got them, you know, humming along. And they they didn't retain him. If they'd have just retained him, and I remember at the time thinking, like, what are they doing letting him go? Um, it's really weird, and you would hope that looking forward, they want to get someone long-term who can get the job done and not have to throw to get, like not just take who's available or not take the person that they kind of hope. Get get someone with the track record, and that's what they need to do now. Yeah, I agree. I think the other coach I had there that was pretty good too for the club was Daniel Anderson. Yeah, he um, got him going good for a while too, yeah. Those guys just suited the squads they had there at the time and the mm-hmm. styles that they were playing under. And mm-hmm. right now, they've got a they've got a squad now who are just dying to play entertaining football. Yeah, and Kearney's got them playing boring football, and it kind of shows a bit. You know, they, yeah. it's almost like they're they're about to unleash some sort of fancy trickery, and then they go, "Oh no, we're not allowed to do that. Put all the toys away." Yeah. <laughs> they just sort of yield back and. Yeah, I just think um, yeah they they needed they definitely need another coach. I, I they can't endure another season of this with Kearney, even no. if they have a, even if they make the finals. I just don't think that he suits what they are doing, and I don't think he can take them to that next level where they get into a grand final. And, and as we said to start the podcast, you look at his record now, and ninety nine games, hundred this weekend, and at some point you just that's who you are, unfortunately. Yeah, um, just a, he's just an assistant coach. Yeah. <laughs> Harsh but fair. Harsh yep. but fair. All right. Spoken, well, by, spoken by two blokes who have never been coaches. No, never. Never <laughs> once. Never coached anyone to do anything at all. So. <laughs> well, that's why you listen to us. We're experts. Exactly. It even says it in my Twitter profile, which I wrote. <laughs> But you're an expert, so you're allowed to write they're an expert on there because the profile yeah. says so. It's like a chicken and the egg argument. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, yes, we will be. Um, we've got a 
got a small book of ideas coming up for future episodes, so um, we're definitely not going anywhere anytime soon. Yeah. And uh, yeah, current thing there. So I was going to thank some people. My, my missus had uh, a bloke called Nathan, who's um, a Sharks fan, who gave us a bit of a plug uh, and a big thanks for you know how much he enjoys the show. Um, we've also got a, a bit of a fan on social media. Uh, is it Nadine Chilvers? Yes. Yes, yeah. probably um, our biggest fan. I, I'd agree. I, she's given us some great feedback and is always um, talking about each episode. Um, love your work, Nadine. Keep it up. I want to. I want to thank the starting block. They've been good supporters. Um, retweeted some of our stuff as well, so that's been fantastic. So thank you to them. You can. They've got like a. They do a, like a live podcast, which is pretty cool. So um, so thank you to them for for getting behind us. Yep, and I'll as again I'll thank full credit to the boys, former legend and Sid Punts. They've got me on there every uh, every week doing Mitch Moses stats, among other stats. <laughs> um, so, um, and they they let me go on there and and um, talk about the podcast every week. So, um, big thanks to those guys for helping us out there too. Yeah, thank um, you. Yeah, thank everyone else for listening and tuning in. And um, God, the episodes are going gangbusters at the moment. So yeah, keep doing what you're doing. Yeah, it's been incredible. The support is just unbelievable, and you know, people sharing it. It's just we can we can actually see the listens that we're getting going up every time somebody shares or retweets something that we or like a podcast that we post. So um, we can't thank people enough for that. Absolutely, and remember, you can get in touch with us on Twitter. I'm at Andrew RP League Freaks at League Freak. We're on Facebook. Uh, you can go to Fergo on the Freak on Facebook there, and it's basically just uh, you know, all the episodes on there and how you can listen to them. Um, League Freak's also on Facebook. You can go to his website, leaguefreak.com. You can contact us via email, podcast at leaguefreak.com. Jeez, uh, any other links, mate? <laughs> Not that I can think of. Like, <laughs> like, if you can't get in touch with us, something's wrong. Like, yeah. We are everywhere at the moment. It's ridiculous. If you can't get in touch with us, then obviously you don't have a computer. Yeah. <laughs> and we're not getting a PO box just for you to use your old typewriter to send us a letter. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> would they would they contact us though with the typewriter or would it be like um words cut out of magazines? I feel like it'd be something like that. <laughs> yeah, bits of old new ideas with, you know, I'm going to I'm going to make your dog wake up or something. Yeah, or like uh, it'd be like remember the movie The Bodyguard, where the guy was cutting out all the stuff, and then they uh, they found out that he jerked off in Whitney Houston's bed. <laughs> Just unfortunate. <laughs> well, what a great reason, way to end a podcast. <laughs> they've got a, they've got a reason to go watch that movie. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, uh, yeah. Thanks for tuning in, and uh, on on that. Um, Rather glorious note. We'll uh, we'll catch you all later. <laughs>